Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are bouncing back. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ all advancing this Monday. Let's head right over to the first word breaking news desk for today's afternoon call. And here is Bill Maloney. Charlie, that's right. Main U.S. averages are climbing right now, helped by easing tensions with North Korea. Dow is currently up 132 points. S&P has gained 24, while the Nasdaq climbs by 78. The small cap 600 is up 11 points, and the U.S. 10 yield at 2.22%. Ten of the main 11 S&P sectors are trading higher, led by gains in real estate technology and the financials. Only energy fell. Nasdaq gained 31. Transports jump 142. Semis rise 24. And the VIX is down by 20%. Leaders to the upside in the Dow are Visa, Goldman Sachs, and Verizon, while Chevron and Home Depot led to the downside. Herbalife and New Skin plunged intraday. China says it will crack down on pyramid selling. New Skin fell as much as 9%. And note that Home Depot reports at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Live from the first of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Charlie? All right. Thank you very much, Bill Maloney. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg, type Squawk, S-Q-U-A-W-K, on your terminal. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. We will enforce the rules of fair and reciprocal trade that form the foundation of responsible commerce. And we will protect forgotten Americans who have been left behind by a global trade system that has failed to look, and I mean look, out for their interests. They have not been looking out at all. So uh, responsible commerce, that's the issue between China and the U.S., is it? Caroline Freund, judges right now, senior fellow at the Peterson Institute. Um, and, uh, Caroline, when we look at the state of trade between China and, uh, and the U.S., where is it the worst? It's the worst in industries uh, that involve high technology, whether it's electric vehicles, um, information technology, telecoms, uh, some types of finance. And this is what this investigation or potential investigation is really about, is China trying to take some of U.S. proprietary technology. Well, is that what's happening? Well, what's happening is in order to do business in China, you, in certain industries, you have to do things like have a joint venture. And in some industries, your joint venture partner ends up being a state-owned company. And then, uh, by definition, you're kind of handing over all the technology you have or are using in China to that partner who may very well be the government. And that's what, you know, that's what some of these complaints are about or laws that um, encourage companies to transfer technology in order to get licenses or to grow. So there are problems, but I don't think the way Trump is planning to handle them is the most effective. Well, what is the way he plans to handle them? Because, because these partnerships with China seem to be um, a line in the sand there. It doesn't seem to be any way to do uh, technology business without having that kind of partnership in China. We've seen some companies decide not to do it at all. But I wonder, um, you know, is it in fact that? And and number two, what is the way the president, you think he's going to try to handle it? 
Well, it, that is what's happening, but of course, exactly as you said, it's their choice. So the Chinese market is just so attractive because it grows so fast that companies want to go in, and even if it means playing by rules that they don't particularly like. The problem is that, and, and companies do grumble about them, but to go and say, okay, we're going to investigate this and potentially put tariffs on China or change our investment rules for Chinese firms won't help. It'll just put U.S. companies at a disadvantage relative to foreign companies from other countries doing business in China. What, what are the rules? That are, I, mean, you know, I can understand not going to give up the keys of the kingdom um, for technology companies in particular because the IP is so important. Um, what are other countries doing? Are they just sort of knuckling into whatever the Chinese rules are, trying to get a leg up on U.S. industry? They're doing what you what U.S. companies are doing. They're going in when it's worth their while, and sometimes they decide, okay, I really want to protect that technology, so instead, um, I'm just not gonna gonna go into China. And and sometimes what companies do is they go in, but then they don't bring their newest models and newest technologies. So that's why some of the car models you see in China are models that are kind of outdated from from the U.S. Um, oh, or Germany or Japan. That's interesting. Yeah. That, so you know, we see Ford or their focus on sort of certain kinds of cars, and in in China, it didn't occur to me that they're, they're the crummy ones or the older ones, or the, not the crummy, but at least not the cutting edge. Yeah, so sometimes it hurts China that they have these rules, and China should really tra- change the rules. But um, this idea of punitive tariffs just isn't an effective way because one thing we've seen with China is that when we do put tariffs on China, they tend to retaliate in kind, and so that will hurt American businesses. They can also crack down on businesses, on American businesses uh, operating in, in China. So I think a much better way to approach this is what we had been doing before, which is through trade agreements, where we start to write new trade agreements that have the kind of stricter rules on things like intellectual property, investment, services trade that we'd like to see. Doesn't sound as tough, though. Well, it is in a way, because imagine if the U.S., Europe, and Japan all had some sort of trade agreements with each other, um, allowing free trade. Then China is discriminated against in the three major markets they want to be in. So So what you're really talking about is some sort of, like, partnership that would go across, like, the Pacific Rim that would be sort of a – like a trans-Pacific partnership. Oh, wait, we tried that. Oh, we have that. <laughs> well, isn't, yeah, that, isn't that what that was supposed to do? That was exactly the real purpose of the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, was to write the rules that we eventually would like to see China abide by. And keep in mind, we're also negotiating and, and still negotiating the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership with the European Union, so a, a U.S.-EU agreement. Now imagine we get that agreement and we had the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and both of these agreements have really strict rules, and China's locked out. So U.S. companies would have access to European markets in a way that Chinese companies don't. U.S. companies would have access to Japanese markets in a way Chinese wouldn't, and vice versa. Then they want to, they'd want to be part of this and eventually would be more likely to abide by our rules. 
essentially wanted to create greener grass so that the grass would be greener on the other side. Carolyn Freund, great stuff. Really appreciate your time. Uh, senior fellow at the Peterson Institute uh, joining us on the phone. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> 